0: Papakura, so good to be here, man! Can you welcome every visitor once again? Can we welcome everybody visiting here today? So so great. If you are a first-time guest, we're so glad that you came. Uh, and can we also give a shout out for your amazing pastors? Come on, Darcy and Adam. These guys are legends, absolute legends, doing such an incredible job. Man, I walked in this place; it's pumping like. I said to to Frosty, like, there's so many cool vibes, like, great vibes in this place. And just walking in and all the Dream Teamers, man, Dream Teamers, you're doing an incredible job. If you're wearing a Dream Team t-shirt today or any other Sunday, like, massive shout out to you guys. You're doing a stunning, stunning job. When you walk into this place, and if someone doesn't walk in every single week, when you walk into this place, it makes a difference. You notice. You absolutely notice. You guys are killing the game. I'm so excited I get to be here today. We are in week three of this series, um, the, the little big life, little big life. And uh, I want you to uh, think back to when you were at school. For some of you, that's not so long ago. For others, it's taken you back a wee bit. Uh, but I want you to think back to when you were at school on the first day of school, and one of the questions after we have asked, I wonder what room I'm in and what teacher I have, the next question we ask ourselves is always, who am I sitting next to, right? Who am I sitting next to? Who is going to be there by my side for most of the year? Because you and I know that the answer to that question is actually very important because it will have a profound impact on how the rest of your year plays out because you and I both know that every person falls in one of two categories. You were either positioned next to somebody in class and all the teachers here are gonna know exactly what I'm talking about because I was once a teacher and I did this too. You and I were positioned based on one or two categories. You were either positioned based on your ability to impact people positively. You were the good person who was sat next to naughty people in the hopes that your good behaviour would rub off on them and that you would keep them everything cool and calm in the area for that year. Or you were positioned next to somebody based on your ability to impact people not so goodly, like negatively, right? Like you were the person who was moved far away from all of your influences, far away from people who you were going to lead astray. And listen, I'm not going to do a raising of the hands so that we can see I was positioned for my positive influence. I was positioned far away from my negative influence. But I just want to say we all know in Darcy and Frosty's situation who would have been in which category. not saying anything, but Frosty, I just get a feeling, yeah, 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 that's why Frosty is positioned, the Lord has positioned Frosty next to Darcy, in the hopes that she would positively influence him for the rest of their days, it's working, he's been sitting very well, very well, guys, who you were sat with, you know, even at primary school, you know it was really important, And today I want to propose to us that who you are sat with in life has just as much impact on you as who you sat with at school. In fact, positioning yourself within a healthy biblical community is one of those little things that can lead to a big life. And we've been talking about those little things over the last few weeks. We started with the Word of God. It's a little thing. It's a small habit we can add to our life but can lead to the biggest impact. We talked last week about prayer. A little thing, it seems like, it can often seem, often when we're spouting off a little prayer, like surely that's not going to do anything, but it's a little thing that can lead to a great big life, and so is the community that we position ourselves within. And in Acts 2, we painted this picture of what biblical community might look like. In verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, there we are, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. There's that community happening again. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. They shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Today, we're talking about this little thing called community that can lead to a big life. And I want you to, to, uh, there's something I want you to remember today. I want you to remember this. You need someone and someone needs you. You need someone and someone needs you. Turn to the person on your left and say, you need someone. Turn to the person on your right and say, someone needs you. You need someone and someone needs you. You know, I've been thinking about a particular man in Scripture that I think demonstrates this Point to us. This particular man in scripture was left sitting somewhere. He was sat somewhere for the very reason that he was actually paralyzed. He was sat on a mat and he was paralyzed on that mat. But I think that if he were to speak to us today, this man would say that he is incredibly glad that he was sat where he was that day, that he was sat with those he was sat with when we find him in Luke chapter 5 today. Luke 5 verse 17 says this, on one of those days while he was teaching, meaning Jesus, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and also from Jerusalem, and the Lord's power to heal was in him. Just then some men carrot came carrying on a stretcher a man who was paralyzed. They tried to bring him in and set him down before him. Since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on a stretcher through the roof tiles, into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. Seeing their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven and in verse 47 it says, he told the paralyzed man I tell you get up, take your stretcher." And go home. Now, there's something that I noticed while reading the story. What I noticed while reading the story is that it says that there were men who carried him. Now, we often presume, and I have presumed over the years, that these men that it said friends. I've often presumed and heard it said that this man's friends. Carried him, but it actually doesn't say friends. We might assume that they were uh, close friends or maybe his brothers, I don't know. But we've always assumed that these were close, close relatives or people that uh, he had known for many, many years. But actually, when I read this story, I began to ask myself the question how did these men? know this man. How did he know them? I began to wonder if maybe, because he was sat in the same place every day, like he was on his mat, he was sat there, I began to wonder if maybe they were others who were sat there with him. Maybe every day they would come together and they would all beg for provisions while he sat on his mat. Or perhaps they were the business owners of some of the surrounding businesses and the community. Or perhaps they were people who walked by him every day and gave into his need and saw him. I'm not sure who they were, but for whatever reason, they knew him, they knew where to find him, and they knew his need. Something told me, tells us, that these people were part of his community. And And I'm not sure how exactly he knew them. But what I do know is that where he was positioned and the community he was positioned in that day mattered more than ever before. Why? Why? Because he couldn't get to Jesus on his own. He couldn't get to Jesus on his own. He needed these men that were in his community. And perhaps this man's story can act as a reminder to you and to me that we all need each other too. There are going to be seasons in our lives where we cannot simply get to where we need to be on our own. We need someone else to get us there. You need someone and someone needs you. Here's why. Here's why. We need each other, number one, to see what we don't see. We need each other to see what we don't see. I can remember uh, being going to my first ever concert as a teenager like first ever big band concert. And I can remember going to this concert, I can remember turning up early and standing in the middle of the arena. And it was like a standing only concert down on the floor and there's a massive big arena. And I can remember we positioned ourselves kind of sort of toward the front, but kind of in the middle. And I'm standing there and I'm going, this is going to be awesome. And I'm getting really excited and I've got this great view of the stage and I'm like, this is great. And then the arena begins to fill up. And people begin to pour in the side doors. And as the time gets closer to the start of the concert, people are filling into the front and they're pushing in front of me and we're kind of getting shuffled back. And all of a sudden, as the concert begins, I look up toward the stage and I realise I can't see a thing. All I can see is the middle of the back of the person in front of me. It was just lucky that I was attending with Steve who was six foot three and could see over everybody's head. And there were many times in the concert where I'd say, can you lift me up? And he'd lift me up and he'd give me like a little boost and I'd be able to see and I'd be up there and I'd be like, oh, I can see, I can see. And then there were other times where I like grabbed onto his shoulders and the shoulder of the person next to him and I'd like jump up and I'd just jump and get a little bit of the vision. And then there'd be times where I'd go, hey, Steve, what can you see? Hey, Steve, what's he doing now? Hey, and after the concert, I asked him like, what did he do here and what did he do there and tell me about this and tell me about that. He every he was able to tell me everything he could see. He shared with me all the things that he could see that I just couldn't see. We need each other to see what we don't see. JP, come sit here for me, would you? I might be choosing the wrong person because you're rather tall. You might just naturally not uh, demonstrate my, my story. But... <laughs> These men, these men that carried the man on the mat, they had a different perspective. They had a different perspective because the circumstances that the man was in at the time caused him to not be able to stand. He was on a mat. He was paralyzed. And because of his position, because of his iniquity, he was not able to stand and get a higher perspective, a perspective that would allow him to see through the crowd and see Jesus. And yet the men who were with him were standing. They had a higher perspective, a perspective, a different perspective that allowed them to see ahead, allowed them to see through, allowed them to get a glimpse of where they knew the Needed to go from down here, he couldn't see, but he could rely on the people who had a different perspective around him, they were enabled to see higher. They were able to see further. They were able to see more. They were able to see Jesus when he couldn't because his inequities were preventing him from seeing through to his breakthrough. Thank you. And some of you are going through a season right now where your weaknesses, your frailties, your failings, maybe a hurt, maybe a pain, something is often can prevent us from seeing all the way through to our breakthrough. And what you need is people in your world who will share their vision with you. I've been there, I can see it. I've been down the road that you're going down now. I've been in that position and I've seen the breakthrough. You can, they can, What we need is people around us who can give their insight, their perspective, their vision to our circumstance. I've been through so many seasons in my life where I couldn't see. I've been through so many seasons in my life where I can't see past the obstacle. How many of you know how hard it is when you're in a circumstance just not to be able to see through it? It's because of our perspective. And, and I've been through so many circumstances where I couldn't see through my weakness. I couldn't see past my hurt. I couldn't see through the crowd to Jesus. And yet I was surrounded by people who could see. I was surrounded by people who were able to say to me, let me tell you because I've been further through the crowd. Let me tell you because I've been on the journey longer than you. Let me tell you what I've seen because I've been close to Jesus. Let me tell you what I've seen because I've seen it before. Let me tell you what I've seen because my perspective in this moment is just a little bit higher than yours. Let me tell you what I've seen because I've seen breakthrough and I'm believing I can see it for you too. We need each other to see when we don't see. You need someone and someone needs you. Number two, we need each other. We need each other to remind us that there's always another way. There's always another way. This is a very simple message today, but I'm believing that it's going to be what somebody needs to hear today. There is always another way in your circumstance, in your season, in your situation, whatever seems impossible to you, there's always another way. You ever been to an escape room those things are fun and panicky all at the same time. <laughs> if you've not been to an escape room, let me describe it to you. It is a room, about three by three, I would say, uh, often connected to other rooms that are smaller than that one. And uh, it is filled, well, you get locked in this room, right? You get locked in this room. It is filled with puzzles and word problems and all sorts of different contraptions and clues that lead you step by step from one thing to another. There's cryptic clues, there's all sorts of like strange and wonderful things and all of these things will lead you step by step through the one room into another room, through another room into another room, until you finally get to the exit and you are free. You are out. You've escaped the room. And the idea is that you are put in there with a team of people and together you are supposed to solve the clues to escape the room. And the idea is that you do it in about an hour. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> I've been in many times where it does happen and it doesn't happen. Now, Steve and I were invited, the very first time we were invited, to participate in one of these escape rooms. And man, it was harder than we thought it was going to be. Like, you have to think in a different way. And the, the, there's clues and there's pictures all around the room and there's words and there's contraptions and there's posters and there's little things that you just, are uh, strange all around the room. And I can remember seeing this, there were birds all on the wall and somehow the birds meant something, and we're all standing there for what felt like half an hour, and we're all looking at the birds like this, literally, you look at the, you just, I'm like, just looking at the birds, looking at the birds, looking at the birds, and I'm like, is everyone else just looking, okay, we'll just still look at the birds, all right, (laughs) looking at the birds, looking at the birds, and then all of a sudden, Steve goes, what if we turned it this way, and he turned the bird, and there, this clue appeared, and we were like, whoa, there it is, there it is, and everyone's excited, and everyone's, and and so often, everywhere in the room, what it required was someone else to pipe up and go, hang on, wait a minute, What if we turned it this way? Or what if we looked at it this way? Or what if we moved this over here? Or what if we we did that instead of that? And so often that different way led to our way out. And I believe what we all need in many circumstances in our lives is that so often we get to the point where perhaps the usual way or the obvious way isn't the only way. And many of us, while we're trying to find our answer, our breakthrough, our solution through the same door that everyone else is going through or the same door that we've always gone, where's what we really need is friends who, when we can't get through that usual way, will be willing to say, hey, maybe there's a different way what if we went onto the roof? What if we climbed on the roof? Verse 19 says, since they could not find a way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof, lowered him on a stretcher through the roof tiles into the middle of the crowd before Jesus. When the answer they needed wasn't able to be maintained one way, they found another way. They didn't give up. They didn't leave him there. They didn't think, oh, well, we tried Never mind, maybe another day. No, they found another way. They persevered. You know, there are countless stories online of people who come meters away from crossing the finish line of an endurance race only to collapse as their legs refused to go with them any further. I found story after story after story online of this happening to people. I found the story of a marathon runner, Chandler South, who was leading the Dallas Marathon. Her legs collapsed underneath her three times until a stranger came along, running behind her, came and picked her up and took her to the finish line and pushed her across the line ahead of them so that she could win the race. A young boy who who completed a triathlon with a prosthetic leg, when his prosthetic leg failed, a marine who was watching on the sidelines came, picked him up and carried him across the line. A teenager whose leg cracked while running is lifted up on the back of another runner and piggybacked all the way to the end of the race. There are going to be seasons in our lives where the usual way seems impossible. And what we need is people who are going to go, no, 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 we're not going to give up. We're going to find a different way. Often there's going to be times in your life where you want to give up where you want to quit, where you're going to be tempted to sit down and, and not keep on persisting and trying because the way just seems impossible. Perhaps right now you're facing something really painful. Perhaps right now you're facing something that you've been walking out for so long, you just, you're just you losing hope in your circumstance. Maybe you can't even pray the prayer anymore that you know you need to be praying. Perhaps you think your only option is to give up, to quit. But what we really need, what we really need is a biblical community, a community of people around us who are going to say, nah, nah, there might be a crowd in front of Jesus, but we're going to get you onto the roof. What we really need is to persevere for each other. What we really need is to press in and push through for each other. What we really need is people around us who are willing to pull the tiles off and get you before Jesus. Last week, we talked about prayer. This is a beautiful picture of what intercessory prayer looks like. Prayer that lifts someone up onto the roof and lowers them down before Jesus. When you can't do it yourselves, we need each other. We need each other to remind us, to remind one another that there is always a way, another way to get to Jesus we need each other. Number three, final one, team, if you could come and join me now. Number three, we need each other because sometimes we need to borrow a little faith. Sometimes we need to borrow a little faith. You guys watch shows like The X Factor. We haven't had one for a while actually, eh? X Factor, has it all gone south? I don't know. Anyway, haven't seen The X Factor for a while, but I can remember watching many, many episodes where individuals would come and they would audition for the show in the hopes that they would be like the next big solo star. And there were many times where lots of people got in as individual artists, and there were many times where they simply just got sent home. (laughs) Sorry, you're not going through to the next round. But there were certain occasions where individuals would come and they would actually get asked, Where three or four individual artists would ask to come back and join as a group together. Where there were three or four individual singers who were asked to combine their talents to join as a group of singers and become a group. I believe that's how One Direction was formed. Uh, they combine their, combine their talents <laughs> to create one that when unified was an even greater talent. I mean, individually, they were okay. Individually, they were all right, but they wouldn't have made it all the way. But together, together, they went as far as they could go. They went all the way. And often the same take, same thing takes place with our faith. We can ourselves, we can conjure up a small amount of faith. We can have faith Maybe for a car park, we can have faith for a pay rise. We can have faith for certain circumstances that we go through and we've been along the way and God has grown our faith and we've had faith to believe for this and for that and for the others. But oftentimes what I've found in my life is that there have been circumstances I have hit where I have come up against something and I've felt like my faith wasn't quite enough to take me all the way. Where I've wondered what God was doing, where I've begun to doubt what was happening in my life where I've thought to myself, I don't know if I can do this, where I've begun to question my faith and my beliefs. But I wonder if God's intention was for us was not that we would have individual faith, was not that we would be individual artists, but that we would have faith, faith that, that as a corporate body, faith that together, could come together and grow rapidly and exponentially, a faith added one to another, a faith that is multiplied, a faith that when together grows stronger, a faith that is greater than an individual faith, a combined faith that could take us all the way. We need each other to add faith to faith because it has been in those seasons in my life where I have doubted that someone else has come along and no, 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 no. no. No, I believe. I believe God's still with you. I believe God's heard your prayer. I believe that He's got breakthrough for you. How many of you know there's been seasons in your life where you just feel like you can't believe it for yourself, but thank goodness for the person at church that morning who handed you your coffee and said, you know what, I believe that God's still with you. He's got you and He's got something incredibly powerful for your life. We need each other because we need to add faith to faith. In verse 20 it says, seeing their faith, He said, friend your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw their faith. Didn't say His faith. Didn't say one of their faith. It said their faith, a collective faith, not just His faith. It was the faith of the men, the faith of that community of people, not just one but all. It was their combined faith that stirred Jesus to heal. And some seasons of our life, we may not be able to muster the faith. We've been so broken, so battered, so bruised by life to stand firm and it feels impossible. We feel too overcome with doubt to believe, but maybe, maybe, maybe someone near you, maybe someone near you could offer their faith to you. Maybe someone near you could believe for you. This is why being part of a corporate body of believers is so incredibly important because they will believe when you can't believe. They will sing when you can't sing. How many of you have been through seasons in church where you stand in church and you think to yourself, I don't even know. There is so much going on in my world right now. I'm struggling. I don't even know if I can sing. But would you stand next to someone who can sing for you? Would you stand surrounding yourself with people who can lift up their voices and lift up their praise? That when you can't praise, they'll praise. And when you can't pray, they'll pray. And when you can't sing, they'll sing. And when you can't believe, they'll believe. And when you lose faith, they'll have faith. You need someone and someone needs you. That's why small groups are so important to us as a church. It's an enormous part of who we are. It's why we're so annoying and we go on and on and on and on and on and on. And and I'm sure you all sit there and you roll your eyes and there they go again. No, of course not. But listen, it's because we truly believe you need each other. We truly believe you need each other. Your perspective needs it. Your vision needs it. Your faith needs it. Together, together. It's better, because you need each other. You need someone, and someone needs you. We're created to be in community. In fact, your life isn't just funner, happier, or richer because of community. Your life is healthier, and you will live longer. Did you know that? Let me convince you. One of the most thorough research projects on relationships is called the Almeida Country Study headed by a Harvard social scientist, it tracked the lives of 7,000 people over nine years. Researchers found that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. Yikes. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating, obesity, or alcohol use, side note, not condoning this, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than the people who had great health habits, but were alone. Wow. In other words, it's better to eat cake and pies with good friends than eat broccoli alone. I'll take that. Harvard researcher Robert Putnam notes that if you belong to no groups and decide to, listen to this, and remember this in a few weeks time when Dyson Frosty get up here and say, it's time to join a small group. Listen to this. If you belong to no groups and you decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. Like for real, you need people just to live. (laughs) We need each other. We need each other. And this is one of those real little but big things. This is one of those things that can absolutely transform, hands down transform your life. When you find a strong, healthy, biblical community and you're looking at one right now, to plant yourself and to position yourself and to sit yourself next to because your vision needs it because so often we we just can't see and your perspective needs it because so often we just you know our circumstances they cause us to struggle to see how it could happen any other way and our faith it needs it because we can add faith to faith Amen come on let's pray thank you Lord God I thank you so much for this incredible community of people I thank you that you have positioned us all here You've planted us here. I thank you that not one person in this room is here by accident or by coincidence or by fate. But Lord, it is you designed. You have designed them to be part of biblical healthy community. And I thank you for this place. And Lord, right now, I pray that you would surround every person with someone who can share their vision, share their perspective and share their faith.